So, uh, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. It's May 24th, and uh, still in Coronado. So, today we're going to start with uh, Bhagavatam 1, 7, 12, first canto, chapter 7, verse 12. <laughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So today our Sankirtan minister is here. Vijay, you're in the film. People can see you. Vijay Das Brahmachari is listening. He may try. He may try to sell me a book during the class. <laughs> so the verse, Parikshito Tarajashir Janma Karma Vilapanam Sangstam Chapandu Putranam Vakshe Krishna Katodayam. So, uh, this verse introduces topics. We're going to shift now into, or this verse, actually, not yet, we're not, but it's this, it announces the topics that uh, we're going to hear about in the first canto. Uh, later in the first canto, actually, but still the story is shifting here. So, Parikshito Tarajar Sher. So of Parikshit, of the saintly king, uh, Janma, the birth, karma, the activities, and Vilapanam, and the passing. So we're going to hear about Parikshit's complete life, his birth, his what he did in his life, and then his passing. The word Vilapanam is interesting because Vilapanam literally means that which makes people grieve, that which makes people lament. And so when a loved one or someone you care about or admire when they pass away of course it makes you lament and so therefore the death or the passing is called vilapanam like the uh, that which causes grief and of course the passing of parichi caused much grief and then sangstang chapandu putranang and then the uh it said here the renunciation uh the pandavas renouncing of the world of, of panduputra of Pandu's sons, uh, Prabhupada translates it, uh, the renunciation of the worldly order. Sangstam can also mean death, or because sta means status or situation. And so sum means complete or together like Sankirtan. So Sangstam means sort of like the final status or the complete, because death completes life. If we're talking about someone's life, a biography of someone's life, then what completes the story, what makes the story full, is their passing. That's what ends the story or completes it. And so therefore, sangsta can mean death or passing. So we're going to, it said that, That sangstang chapandu putranang. And also, he's, he, uh, Sutta says, vakshe, I will narrate. I will speak on this. 
And so the reason he's going to speak about it is because it is Krishna Katodayam. Uh, Udaya, Ud means up in Sanskrit. And Aya means going. So uh, that which to say that something produces something else or it leads to something or it gives rise. It's just like in English, we would say it gives rise to something. And so they say that they use the same figure of speech in Sanskrit. So it gives rise to Krishna Kata. Therefore, it's Krishna Kata Udayam or Krishna Katodayam. And interestingly, what gives rise to Krishna Kata stories or narrations about Krishna is the passing of these great souls. Because after all, uh, our life is simply a preparation for a successful passing. Everything we do in our life, uh, our spiritual practice, the decisions we make, how we live our life, everything we do in our life is preparing us to leave this world successfully. It's just like before, let's say, a commercial jet. Before, if you get on an airplane, before it takes off, they go through so many things. They have engineers and maintenance crew. And of course, they have to check the electronics and they, uh, you know, they have to clean the plane. So everything that's done to the plane is leading to a successful takeoff and then landing in the destination, wherever it's going. So everything we're doing in this life is simply preparation for a successful departure so that we can transfer ourselves to the spiritual realm with Krishna. And so therefore, when we hear about great souls leaving this world, in this case, Parikshit and the sons of Pandu, who of course the same family, uh, Parikshit is the uh, grandson of the Pandavas. So when we hear about that, uh, we're going to hear about a successful departure from this world, and we're going to learn how one uh, best utilizes human life in order to achieve the highest success, which is going back to Krishna. So that's what Sutta says he's going to talk about next. Not immediately, but first he's going to talk about something else, actually. But that's coming. He's, this is sort of like coming attractions. Like if you go to a movie theater, they play like, okay, these are the movies that are coming in the future. So those are the previews. Then, so, so after that, Sutta just jumps right into the Mahabharata. And remember, to understand why he's doing this, you have to remember that when Narada Muni first came to Vyas, who was lamenting, he said, you're lamenting because you were, you were preaching too indirectly. You didn't give direct Krishna consciousness. And, uh, and then he said, you, you composed the Mahabharata, which is an amazing book. However, the Mahabharata is, uh, he said, but still it's Jugupsitam, it's terrible because it's just all about Karmakanda. Uh, Vijay, actually maybe you want to sit here because you're yawning a lot. And uh, I mean, it is interesting to see the Sankirtan <laughs> minister yawn, but it's, uh, it's not exactly what people are paying for. So anyway, so, so Narada seriously criticized Vyas, what he had done up to that point. And the Mahabharata, 
as Vias had presented it, didn't satisfy him and wasn't going to bring people to real Krishna consciousness. And so Vyas is now going to go right back to the Mahavarata and sort of correct the story and explain that the story is really all about Krishna consciousness. That's what the Mahavarata, that's, that's why Krishna came to this world. That was the whole purpose that Krishna came here was to save us, as he explains in Bhagavad Gita. Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata, whenever dharma is declining, abhutanama dharmasya and adharma, just doing bad things, not following the rules. Uh, and the rules are there, of course, for our benefit. Then Krishna says, I come myself. So the Mahabharata ultimately, through the eyes of, or, or through the deeds of Krishna's pure devotees, the Pandavas, Draupadi, Kunti, and so on, is ultimately to enlighten us in Krishna consciousness. And so Vyasadeva now needs to go back to that story, the story of Krishna's appearance in this world and, and give the direct version. Not trying to, well, if I talk too much about God or if I talk too much about Krishna, you know, people may not want to hear the book. And so, which we all do sometimes. But no, Krishna, Narada Muni told Vyas, just tell what really happened. Tell the, just preach directly. Tell the story directly. So that's what Vyas is going to do now. So he starts out very dramatically. Yadam Riddhe Kodava Sinjayanam Vireshwato Virakatin Gateshu Vrikodara Vidhagadabhimarsha so, Yada, when, Mridhe, in the battle, Kodava of a Sinjayanam, of the Kurus and the Sinjayas, or the Yadus, because uh, the, uh, the Pandavas, actually, their only human DNA is of the Yadu dynasty. They're called the Kurus because they were... Um, consider the surrogate sons of Pandu. Therefore, they're the Pandavas. Pandu, of course, is uh, directly. But even Pandu, of course, his father is Vyasa. So anyway, all kinds of things are going on in terms of births and genealogy, but still, according to Dharma, because it's a law. It's just like, for example, let's say a man and a woman adopt a child who legally becomes their child, then that child has certain legal rights, for example, inheritance, inheritance rights. And so uh, so the Pandavas were legally, and the word for legally is dharmataha, because dharma means law. So the Pandavas were legally the, the sons of Pandu, and therefore they had inheritance rights. They had a right to inherit the throne, but they're called her sinjayas. So, um, so the Pandavas, not legally, but genetically, genetically, their only human blood comes from their mother Kunti, uh, at least the three elder Pandavas, who are, uh, who, who was a Yadu princess, or Yadu queen. So, so from their mother, they're, they're Yadavas, and then of course, the two twins are Madreyas from their mother Madre, from the kingdom of Madra, which is in now the northwest India or even into Pakistan. 
So Yadamrithe Kodala Sinjayanam. So when on the battlefield uh, of the Kodavas and the Sinjayas, Videshuata Vidagatingateshu. And when the heroes had gone to where heroes go, which means death, because uh, or warriors, because warriors they the average lifespan of warriors, especially during times of war. Uh, is is not so long. So, so when the warriors had gone to the to where warriors go, putre. And when Dhritarashtra's son had his actually uh, said thigh, but really. Uh, you could say almost like a spinal cord. I mean, when the because if you look when the uh, when your it says it typically said the thigh, which is right next to, of course, the lower spine. So he was really he was really mortally injured. So Bugna was broken when when his thigh and and was broken uh, by. Uh, Bikodera, who was whirling his club, was whirling his club. So, uh, and uh, he was lamenting. So then, so, so when this event happens now, practically all the warriors of Kurukshetra have died and gone to where warriors go. Duryodhana is still alive. Duryodhana is lying there, you know, just broken. You know, he can't move. He's just lying there, his body broken. So he's still there. And then Bhartupriyam Dronir, Dronir, the son of Dronacharya, who's Ashwatthama, Itisma Pashan, looking to please his master, who was Duryodhana. In other words, he wants revenge. So his uh, Ashwatthama's master is Duryodhana. And so literally uh, looking to please his master, Ashwatthama, Krishnas, who's Draupadi, Krishnas Uttanang Sapatang Siddhang Siupahara, he took away, took away the heads of the sleeping sons of Draupadi, Krishna. And Vipriyamevatasya, but this did not please Duryodhana. This actually displeased him. This was Vipriya. It displeased Duryodhana. And because Jugupsitan Karma Vigarhayanti, because people condemn uh, such an act as killing just these sleeping young men. The, uh, it said here people condemn this act, and even uh, Duryodhana condemned it. So Aswatthama really went crazy here. And so Mata Shishunang Nidhanang Sutanang Nishamya Ghorang Paritapya Mana. So the mother of these little boys, Shishus, of course, they're not little boys. They were warrior age. They were fighting. They weren't just little boys, but it's sort of an affectionate term. It's, you know, mother, no matter how 
old her son is will say yeah my boy you're just my little boy so it's kind of that kind of it's that kind of language so nishamya hearing of the nidanam the destruction the killing of her sons her boys uh and and a a ghastly death the ghastly death of her of her young of her young sons and paritapya mana and she was just grieving she was grieving tada arudat vashpakula kulakshi it's obviously very poetic sanskrit tang sat santuyan aha kirita mali so uh at that time tada um she uh, she cried with uh vashpa kala kulakshi which means with drops of tears in her eyes and tang santoyan and so uh can can uh consoling her would be the word in sanskrit probably translates it pacifying uh consoling her uh kirita mali said so now arjuna that's arjuna is going to now he's going to console her in the next verse and so kirita mali means arjuna who had a garland of crowns in other words he defeated so many kings so many princes that he had a garland of their crowns it's sort of a poetic way of saying that he had defeated many kings and princes so now arjuna is going to console dropadi over this terrible loss and he says tada suchaste parmajami bhadre he said i will wipe away your grief noble lady then and then meaning after i do something first yet brahma bandho shiraata taina gandiva muktair vishikairu pahare twa kramya jat snasyasi dagdaputra these are very poetic verses in sanskrit sanskrit is sort of very elaborate and poetic and so that's why i'm putting it back in english word order uh then i will comfort your grief then i will w- literally wipe away your grief uh when with my arrows released by Gandhi, by uh gandiva my bow uh when i take off the head of that aggressor that so called that sort of you know so called brahmana that brahma bandhu when i take away his head with the sharp arrows of my gandiva bow the head of that aggressor then when you are standing uh on his head and 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 then you will take the bath because there's a funeral bath when you perform a funeral uh in in vedic culture you uh complete the funeral the last thing you do is that you go and you take bath you know prefer- preferably in a sacred river and so when he says there you will bathe or actually you will uh yeah you will take your bath after dagdaputra after you literally burned your sons in other words performed the funerals so the, the cremation of your sons so after after your sons have been after your sons have been cremated and you are and you will take your funeral bath in the in the river standing on the head 
standing on the head uh, of this, you know, sort of false Brahmin, this aggressor. So Arjun obviously is very angry. And, and, and it's interesting, that's the way you comfort a warrior lady. Because Draupadi, you know, people grieve in different ways based on who they are. And Draupadi is a very powerful, fiery uh, queen. And she was born of fire. And so to, to comfort Draupadi in her great loss, Arjun speaks as a real warrior. So this is, this is a warrior family. This is warrior blood, both, the, both Arjun and Draupadi. And so you can see by the way they're, by the way he speaks to her. So then, iti priyang valgubi chitra jalpai. Thus, uh, with colorful, because it was very vivid language, that like you're going to stand on his head. So that's vichitra. It's very colorful, lang vivid language, and but sweet words. Sasantuya, uh, santuitwa, having comforted his, his, his beloved, having comforted his beloved, Chuta Mitra Suta, Arjuna, whose friend and charioteer is a Chuta Krishna. Chuta Mitra, Mitra means friend, Suta means charioteer. So Arjuna, whose friend and charioteer is Krishna, Anvadravat, he ran after him. He, he just, he raced in pursuit of, because of Shatama obviously is trying to escape and so Arjun just ran at, literally ran after him. Dangshita with his armor on, he put on his armor, he's chasing him, Ugra Dhanva, and he has his terrible bow, his, his just frightening bow, Gandiva. So Kapidhajo. Uh, so Arjun, who has the flag of Hanuman, watch his flag. Uh, Guru Putrang Ratena, so in his chariot, he's chasing after uh, Aswatthama, Arjun's on his chariot he's, and he's chasing after his guru's son. So th this shows you how dramatic it is because he's chasing, he's, he's really in hot pursuit of his guru's son. It's a very dramatic scene. Then, Tamapatantang uh, Savilakshadurat. So now uh, Aswatthama seeing Arjuna literally falling upon him, which is the way we speak even in English. He's falling upon him. In other words, he's closing in on him. He's Arjuna is faster than Ashwatthama. Ashwatthama is a so-called Brahmana that thought he was a warrior. Arjuna's a real warrior. And he's now falling upon him. So seeing him falling upon him from a distance, Kumaraha, literally the child killer. So he's called here as the child killer. The child killer uh, Udvigna Mana, uh, his, his mind was very disturbed because he realized that Arjuna is coming to kill him. Arjuna and Ashwatthama were actually friends because, because Ashwatthama was, for Arjuna, his guru's son. They were buddies, they were friends. But all that is gone now, all that is finished. Arjuna is now, with his full power, is coming to kill him. And so Ashwatthama is very disturbed. He sees Arjun coming in the chariot, and Paradravat, he fled. Prana Parishwar trying to save his life. So Ashwatthama, you know, he, he was very heroic to kill sleeping boys 
But now that Arjuna is coming, he's just running away, he's fleeing, trying to save his life. And so he fled over the earth. And Yavid Gamam, he, wherever he could go, he just said Yavid Gamam, uh, means uh, literally that, uh, because when you're on a chariot, you're going at high speed. It's not like there are roads everywhere. I mean, there, you can run into a tree, there are houses, there's like, you know, when you're on a chariot, you sort of have to stay on the road and some of the roads are blocked. There was just a big war. And so Yavid Gamam just means like wherever he can go, he's just, he's just, it's almost like a plane that has to make an emergency landing and is desperately looking for a place to land. So, so you can just picture this, that Ashwatthama is just desperately searching for, for a, a place to get away, a road that's, that's clear. So Rudra Bhayat, uh, Yathaka, just as Brahma once fled from Gurdjieva, which is, of course, a different story. So, Yada Sharanang Atmanam Aichita, when he saw that he had no shelter. Yada, when, uh, to put it in English word order, Yada Aichita, he saw Atmanam himself, when he saw himself, a Sharanam, without any shelter. There was no place to get away, there was no escape which is sort of how we'd say it in English, when he saw himself having no escape. And Shantavajinam, his chariot horses were exhausted. There's nowhere to get away. He's, you know, he's, he's trapped and uh, his horses are exhausted. So he's, he realizes, you know, it, it's over. So Astram Brahmashiro Mene, he thought of the weapon, which is called here Brahmashiro, it is the Brahma head weapon, or the head of the, Prabhupada calls it the topmost or ultimate nuclear weapon. Uh, Brahma can mean either it's, it's a weapon from Lord Brahma or it can mean that it's a Vedic weapon. So it's a Brahma Shiro or Brahmastra, the Brahma weapon, Astra means weapon. So it's called Brahma Astra, the Brahma weapon, or here it's called Brahma Shiro, which is the head or like the topmost Brahma the topmost weapon which is released by Vedic hymns, you could say. So Astram Brahma Shiro Menes, we thought of that weapon, Atmatranam, to save his own life. Dvijatma Jaha, the son of a Brahman, which is a way of saying Brahma Bandhu. Brahma Bandhu means like the relative of Brahman. So here he's called Dvija, the son of a twice-born, meaning he really was not up to standard. This person was not really up to the twice-born standard. He was merely the son of a twice-born person. So even the Bhagavatam is condemning him by here by this language. And Atmatrana means to save his own life. So, uh, then he touched water. And, and the word here for touched is sprisha means, he, I mean, sprishwa would just mean having touched water, but Upasprisha literally means almost like he touched a little water. It's the way of saying Achman. That's how they say Achman in the Bhagavatam usually. Uh, that someone Upasprisha sort of like slightly touched water. In other words, he didn't jump in to a river. He didn't bathe. He just touched a little water, which is we call Achman. You put a little water to purify your hands or your body. And he did this because 
it's preparatory to releasing the weapon. He's going to release the weapon by this Vedic process. And so in any Vedic process, you have to do Ashman. You have to, you know, ritually purify your body. So when it says Upasprisha, it means that literally all hell is about to break loose. And you, you find the same indication that someone's about to proceed in a powerful Vedic act in the story of Vamana. When Lord Vamana comes uh, to Bali and asks for three steps of land, and of course, uh, Shukra Acharya, which means Professor White, uh, he gives all kinds of arguments like, don't do it, don't, don't do it, this is Vishnu. And then, so Bali hears all these arguments, and it simply says in the Bhagavatam, then he did Ashman, which is, means that he's going to give charity according to the Vedic principles. So as soon as you hear that Bali, Upasprisha, as soon as you hear that Bali touched water in this way, that means he's going to give the charity. That's all you need to hear. And Bali, of course, perfectly understands this. And uh, here the same thing. As soon as it's said that he simply touched water, we know he's going to throw the weapon. So sandade tat samahita. So samahita is the same word as samadhi. It's just a different form of the word. So in other words, he's absolutely concentrated because if you don't chant the mantras properly, nothing's going to happen. You know, the weapon's not going to, it's not going to fire. And so, and so trying to save his life, Ashwatthama is samahita. He's literally in samadhi. He's absolutely focused on doing this right. And then uh, Sandhade, which uh, Prabhupada says chanted the hymns, uh, which literally means he sort of fastened the weapon by hymns. And then Ajananapi, but not knowing Sangharam, how to retract the weapon. In other words, it's not that he's gonna, just going to show the weapon and then Arjun will pull back. Because sometimes you do that. It's like, you know, you've all seen this a million times in movies where someone's chasing someone else and the person who's trying to save their life just pulls a gun and says, you know, get away, I, you know, this gun is loaded or something. And so that, that that's the point. Uh, it's not that Ashwatthama, he can't do that. Ashwatthama can't just, you know, pull out, a, you know, this automatic gun, a machine gun and say, back off. He can't do that because he doesn't know how to stop the weapon. There are mantras to release the weapon and to stop the weapon, and Ashwatthama does not know how to how to stop it. It's like it's like you pull a gun and it shoots. You in other words, you don't know how to pull the gun and not shoot it. You actually don't know how to do that. And so it's like it's like, like a gun. As soon as you pull it out, it's just going to fire. So he sundade. So he's completely in samadhi, absolutely concentrated. He doesn't know how to pull the weapon back. Ajanana p sangharam because he found himself in a situation where his own life was in danger. This shows the character. He would rather kill Arjun. He has no remorse. He's not saying, oh my God, what did I do? I killed these five young men. You know, obviously, because it was so stupid to do that because the battle was over. The battle was over. Bhishma, dead. Dronacharya, dead. Karna, dead. Duryodhana, about to be dead. Mortally wounded. The battle's over. And the only hope for the earth now 
to somehow recover from this catastrophic war. The only hope for the earth to just recover because all the leaders of the world are dead, or, or not all of them, but a lot of them. You know, a huge number, all the most important leaders of the world are dead. There's gonna be chaos. What's gonna happen to the world? What's gonna happen to the people? Aswatthama thought nothing of this. He literally didn't give a damn about the world. All he wanted was his personal revenge. And so he killed five innocent people, totally violating the warrior code. So he was really abominable. And consistent with this character is that instead of showing any remorse, like, oh my God, what did I do? All right, kill me, I deserve it. He's willing to destroy Arjuna now just to save his own life. All he cares about is saving his own life. No higher principles. So when push came to shove, as they say, he's not a Kshatriya. He's just a Brahmin who's, you know, kind of afraid of being killed. Or not even a Brahmin, uh, just a, an unworthy son of a Brahmin. So Pranakriche, when his life was at risk, that when that, so this really shows the character of Ashwatthama because people's real character is revealed in times of crisis or in times of you know serious danger that's when you find out who people really are it's just like if you're having spiritual problems you take shelter of krishna or give up and go away so in in times of difficulty we see who people really are and we're seeing who ashwatthama is so perhaps i'll read one more verse tata so then Praduskritang tejak, a glow, this fiery light appeared, Praduskritang, they're disseminated, as Prabhupada said, this glow was just uh, disseminated. Prachandang, it was fierce, fierce, terrifying. Sarvato disham, in all directions. Sarvato disham, in all directions. So it's just, it's, it's like a mushroom cloud, but it's luminous, you know, mushroom cloud. It's, it's really like a nuclear weapon. Because you've all seen pictures of an atom bomb, atomic bomb going on, nuclear weapon. And it's just, of course, it's it's blinding. You literally, if you look at it, you'll be blinded. It's so bright. And it just sort of rises up and just spreads out everywhere. So Prabhupada's calling this a nuclear weapon is, I mean, there's some good reason to call it that. Because that's the image here. This fierce, uh, terrible light. It just suddenly appears and just spreads in all directions. Pranapadam abhipreksha vishnu jishnu ruvachaha. And so Jishnu, who's Arjuna, seeing his life in danger, seeing abhipreksha, like in other words, uh, each, all these little prefixes in Sanskrit, abhipraiksha. Iksha by itself means seeing, but abhipreksha means that he was really staring at it and really seeing it, like as you would if you were in that situation. It's not just, oh, I saw it. Yeah, I'm seeing that. No, he's really, like his eyes are wide open. He's just staring at this horrible weapon coming at him, which is obviously threatening his life. So then Arjuna said uh, to Krishna. So we'll stop there. And uh, I hope I've left this, you know, cliffhanger, as they say. So I hope you'll come back to find out what happens. So there are no questions today. So uh, 
Thank you all very much for listening. Oh, a question just came in. Therefore, some of the Vedic literatures like the Mahabharata are not transcendental. That's the question. Uh, I think some parts of it are transcendental. There are parts of the Mahabharata which glorify Krishna. Those parts are transcendental. The parts which properly glorified the pure devotees as pure devotees. So yeah, there are transcendental moments in the Mahabharata, but the work as a whole is not the Bhagavatam. It's not as a whole a transcendental work. In fact, in the Mahabharata, practically everyone wants to go to Indraloka, which is not, of course, who they really were. Okay, so thank you very much for listening, and I hope you'll be back next Saturday. Oops, another question. Okay, that's a second false goodbye. Uh, why is it that so often Kshatriyas and Brahmanas get into conflict when they are both meant to protect the world? They get into conflict when they don't follow the Bhagavad Gita and don't do their own duty. In other words, when a someone born a Brahman wants to be a warrior, uh, which is, that's why Krishna says in the Gita twice, it's very dangerous to do another's duty. So if you're born a Brahman, if you're taking the respect of a Brahman, it's cheating. You know, during your life, you're respected as a Brahman, you get, you know, you're first in the prasadam line, so to speak. For your whole life, you're a Brahman, but then you cheat and you want to do a Kshatriya's duty. Or there are, for example, in the case of uh, Vishamrita, where you're born as a Kshatriya, but then you want to be a Brahman, but so in other words, when someone wants, and that's what Arjuna said, by the way, in the in the first chapter of the Gita, Prabhupada, of course, translates the term Varna Sankara, Varna mixing, but Varna Sankara, I mean, as unwanted progeny, but it literally means Varna mixing. Sankara in Sanskrit means, it's not Shankara, some people say, Sankara in Sanskrit means mixing things. And so Varna Sankara means mixing the Varnas. And that's what Arjun's fear was, that if we kill all the Chatri men, who's going to marry their daughters? And so that's the danger. So it's not so often, the, remember that the scriptures give you the most dramatic moments. So you can have Vedic history over thousands of years, really no one does this, but then they do it and all, you know, all kinds of problems happen. And that's what the Shastra Mahabharata is going to talk about because it wants to teach you the lesson. So the fact that we see incidents like that in the text doesn't mean it was happening every day. But that's what it is, is when people don't do their proper duty and they try to do someone, and Krishna actually says in the Gita, it's more dangerous than death. He actually says it's, 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 it's more dangerous than death, which is because it can ruin society for many generations, not just dying once. Okay, so thank you very much, and I hope you're back on, I hope you'll be back next Sunday, and uh, that you're all taking care of yourselves. Hare Krishna.